Welcome to the ED Clinics podcast. My name is James Woolidge and I'll be your host for this series where we'll be discussing everything to do with shockwave therapy and men's health conditions. That's everything from erectile dysfunction through to chronic pelvic pain syndrome, Peroni's disease, hard flaccid syndrome, amongst others. We'll be talking to a host of experts from around the world to shed some light on these complex conditions. And we'll also be talking to patients that have been through treatment journeys themselves so you can get a greater understanding of how we can help a broad range of people with these conditions. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Good evening, guys. You're all my colleagues on ED Clinics, the new podcast. So this is based upon our uh, our setting up, or we did two or three years ago, um, edclinics.co.uk. And um, so we we started it. We are now running it in a more formalized way with a network of clinics across the UK using Shockwave to treat men's health conditions. So this is our this is our introduction podcast. So um I'll introduce you all first. I think that the having not done this on YouTube before, but um Benoy, have a wave. Your your head of education for Ven Healthcare and Storts and all things Shockwave in the UK. So and and you're also an author and uh, pretty well known in the physiotherapy world. Over here is Stuart. He's he's a bit of a pioneer. So he he works out of Birmingham and um he's been doing it longer than all of us and gave us to be fair, you gave us the confidence, uh, I think, three or four years ago to start doing it ourselves. So hats off to you. Um, you treated certainly more patients for this than I think most people have. Um, bottom right, Eve, uh, he's our unofficial chairman, and uh, he runs a couple of clinics in Portsmouth and Reading now, don't you? A couple of big yeah. multidisciplinary clinics. You've literally written a book on the subject, um, so we'll talk a bit about that later. Um, Uwe, you run a big clinic in Leeds. And um, you're an award-winning physiotherapist and fantastic all-round guy and also teach internationally now, North America um, and everywhere else. So I, for my part, I run a small little podcast called the Shockwave Therapy Podcast, and I've got a couple of clinics in Suffolk and East Kent. So um, to kick us off, to give us a sort of an idea about what we do uh, with ED Clinics, um, Eve, can you just give us a, a bit of a, a roundup about what we're trying to achieve with with this? Well, really, I think this sort of philosophy of ED clinics was to try and bring together a, a group of specialists from sort of different backgrounds and different professionals. Uh, but what we all have in common is uh, our, our expertise is in shockwave therapy. Uh, and then the idea was to collaborate on, you know, how we could treat men with erectile dysfunction. And it's kind of you know, uh, enhanced from there that we're not just doing the sort of erectile dysfunction, but also now treating uh, patients with, you know, Peroni's disease, chronic pelvic pain syndrome, uh, and heart flaccid syndrome. So we've expanded on that. Now, obviously, as a as a kind of a, a brand, we all have the same, you know, sort of uh, core value that patient safety and well-being has got to come first. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, I think what we are experts at is, is really patient selection. Uh, you know, getting the right patient uh, is going to, you know, allow us to have better outcomes and our effectiveness will be better. Now, although we are a small group of people, what we've now done is we've, you know, actually created a, a platform for potential new clinics to join us one of the main problems that we've had is is first of all patients struggled to find clinicians who were doing this type of treatment 
with the brand that we've created, that's now a lot easier. However, what the biggest problem now for a lot of patients is, 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 is access. You know, some, you know, I've had one patient who did a 488 mile round trip to come and have a treatment. So really what we want to try and create is a, is a group of, of, of clinics spread out nicely across the country um, in order to be able to make, you know, access to this service, you know, easier, but also, you know, patients can save a bit of money on their travel and their time. Yeah. So that's really what in a sort of in a nutshell, ED clinics is all about. Okay. Thanks for that. And we were just, we were talking about this before, weren't we? And we were talking about how, you know, we've all been doing this somewhere between three and five years and we've seen a lot of patients. I think we've, we've carried out about four and a half thousand treatment sessions so far between us. Um, and as a consequence of that, you do learn from patient experiences about how they've been to other clinics and their experiences in other clinics. And that's helped us sort of try and hone in on what patients are really needing and are after as a service and what they're not perhaps getting from other clinics when we, they come to see us. And I think we all agree that we offer a pretty good all-round holistic service now and that's what we're trying to achieve with this it's not just a the machine and what we're doing we've realized that it's a much bigger thing than that Uwe can you can you elaborate a bit on that about what we've learned over the time about what we're trying to achieve with ED clinics well I think um you know the, the power that we have as a group is our collective knowledge that we've gathered and so we've when you mentioned these four and a half thousand patients treatments that we've, we've done and I think that what we realized is that it's so much more than just a protocol-based treatment and how each individual that comes through the door mm. is actually needing a very specific approach that's tailored to them, just like any other piece of healthcare. So it's a case of um, the, for us as a group, what we've done is we've shared a lot of knowledge. We've shared our experiences between each other. And so the collective has risen, has made us rise up in terms of the quality that we can actually deliver uh, within our clinics and and I think that's the the main thing that's come through how to individualize our treatments to make sure that each individual gets the best outcome possible um and and what it actually takes to create that individual experience too is the individual bits of what's the best way of getting the treatment done what's the best way of supplementation that needs to go with it what kind of exercises, what kind of rehabilitation do they actually need to undergo and making sure that we've got that complete package. And so our, our collective mind has generated something that's pretty special. Yeah. And Stuart, because you're the, you know, you're our pioneering experienced person, all of this. How, how's it been for you working with us as a group over the last five years in terms of, you know, the anecdotal experience that we've had in terms of changing or slightly adapting the evidence base to then realizing the patient in front of us needs this bespoke approach and in terms of things how have you found that journey over the last five years with us, with us experts joining you makes a big difference if we can communicate between ourselves and it creates credibility and the improvement in standards um it's allowed me to give different tests and uh understanding to the patient so they understand the treatment because if you say something to me then i go Oh, yeah. Okay. And then I, I, I apply it to the patient and that helps the patient. This has a huge impact on the patient's life. Um, ultimately, the treatment is safe, but it's not just about the treatment, as, as, as we've said before. It's about how you communicate with the patient and their expectations. Um, and it, it makes a big difference having the group collective, definitely. I think you you taught me something when we, we've talked about this before when we meet at conferences, when we're 
because you teach as well and you know actually some of the ni- the nice things about treating this the sort of um the, the satisfaction you get from treating these patients what always comes across from you telling me is you know we've we've really changed that 75 year old chap's life more than more than just it's you know i've got him 37 percent you know more performance in his penis it's the fact that his quality of life and everything else has changed so markedly from it and you used to always tell me those stories and now i'm living that experience with patients that that's from my perspective is probably one of the more satisfaction more the more satisfying things i do for patients these days so you know i have to thank thank you for that um uh, I, think ben, one of the, I think one yeah, of the sorry. biggest thing though you realize when you start treating this patient group is one how complex they are and how yeah, needy, yeah. needy they are of, of actually being able to talk to somebody yeah you know, actually voice their their suffering because it is a form of suffering. They're suffering from a from a psychological point of view as well as physically, mm. um, and and being able to turn that around that's been one of the huge wins for me getting into this field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. help this 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 group that just are ignored. Yeah, and I think on on that note, this this idea, I think we've all sort of said it as well, is that the idea that they're sort of sometimes these guys are not listened to for one thing. And then they come to us and we have, of course, the luxury of more time compared to a urologist who's got 10 minutes in a consultant consultancy room. But also the idea that I used to make this mistake is that you sort of artificially separate them, which the world seems to do with this group of patients is that they've either got a psychological ED or they've got a vascular, you know, degenerative ED. Um, and, you know, we should treat this group over here and this group over here need counselling and so forth. And the reality of it is, of course, when you think about it, is that if you've got a, a, a physical issue, then you for sure very well quickly have a psychological issue inbound with that. And unless you're, unless you're sort of capable at least of, of, of attempting to sort of cope with both of those at the same time, these patients don't move on. So you very quickly have to be a good listener and, and understand, of course, not, you know, saying, you know, you sign post off if they're, you know, got particular issues that need dealing with. But um, as you harks back to what you said, it's, it's way more complex than just they've got a physical issue or psychological issue. Absolutely. Um, and when, when we're going to be doing taking on these other clinics, Ben, you're going to take a sort of bit of a lead role in the education of all of this, because that's where your passion is. Um, yeah. What what could you summarize what our approach will be for that in terms of clinical oversight and making sure that we're always keeping up to date with research and so forth? I think right when we started as a group, we all agreed the driving force should be led by evidence, because obviously we come from a strong evidence based background from the MSK side. And the fortunate thing with this area is there's been a ton of research in the last five years. So uh, there's a lot of good quality RCTs. Now, the thing is, as Stuart mentioned, we know it's safe, but it's a totally different question to be effective. That's where I think uh, the experience and the evidence helps us. And one of the difficult when we all started was looking at outcome measures. So how do we design? There's lots of outcome measure in different research. So it's picking up the right research and tailoring it to our population. So as a group, we have sort of agreed on specific protocols and outcome measures for each condition. For example, you get a patient with ED, that's a different outcome measure we use. We have a patient with CPPS, we use a different outcome measure because that will, uh, rather than the patient just telling us, telling is getting better, we want a validated tool which we can do before treatment. And then after six weeks or two months, we can check it again. And that's really satisfying for both the patient and us. We can see we're using real tools which have been picked up. So I think as a group, we have that sort of uh, luxury of really able to pick up brains and decide as a group because there's so much of heterogeneity in the research. So the thing which we get uh, is to have that standardization. So we we know it's safe, but we also want it to be effective. So what what should we use as an outcome measure? How do, how do we sort of screen this pa- uh, patients? 
uh, there's a lot of um, discussion in the literature on supplements like the different supplements and we know some are effective some are just bogus so this sort of information is really important because one of the things we know with shockwave is it's never given in isolation so there is a, sometimes there's a medical intervention sometimes there might be supplements there might be other accessory device and outcome assured so it's just not like buying a machine and just starting treatment because very quickly you realize it doesn't work that way so what we have as a group is we have created that sort of evidence-based package right from the screening tool with outcome measure adjuncts for the right patient. And also what we have learned over time is we have a good uh, clinical predict prediction rules. So we know that uh, using certain outcome measures that we know these patients are going to do well and we can be honest about them because to be honest, we might not be able to help everybody. But again, it's having the confidence because initially when we started, I really don't have any clue who's going to get better. But right now I can make that honest judgment where I know based on these factors, I can do that. So somebody joining our, our group will have that access to all those sort of years of that sort of uh, paperwork, uh, the screening tools, so they can pretty much start um, implementing and having the confidence to say, okay, I expect you to do well. And some patients, they may not, you know, but we have the information to do that. So I think that's where the education is massively important and the new research is coming and we'll keep updating and we'll be feeding back to all the members of the team. And uh, that's really vital because if somebody, you know, if a patient asks us, it's sort of entirely driven by science rather than just a, a device. Yeah, good. Thanks for that. Um, I think that, so, I mean, that that's really, I wanted to cover this as introduction to this podcast and we're going to be once a month, we could be meeting with different experts on on this subject field. I think I'm going to try and mix in for, for, for people listening as well. Um, some case histories so that people can understand that we we treat a, such a broad range of people with this and, the, and sort of give a, a taste of the complexity of uh, of the sort of, of the problems that we're dealing with. We'll also talk about, you know, the machines we use, the best evidence type approaches that we use. Um, and so, yeah, there should be some good topics. There should be something for everyone out there. So anyway, guys, thanks for joining me today. And um, we'll be speaking again soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks. See you, guys. See you, guys. Bye. Bye.